Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 164, recorded on Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. That is, of course, Guy. That is Tim. And below Guy, for those of you keeping score at home, is old friend of the show and self-proclaimed Muppet expert, Michael P.S. Mancher. He is here tonight to talk with us about the what I think is the quintessential holiday classic, The Muppet Christmas Carol. It does feel like Christmas, so we shall go forth and know him better. We're celebrating business, Tim, which is the American way. No? Okay. It is actually the British way. And as always, we do expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Festivus, happy Kwanzaa, happy Boxing Day, happy however you celebrate. Welcome, guys, to the uh, last episode of the season, last episode of the year. I'm excited to be here. I think, Tim, we got some, sm- we got some small news to cover tonight before we get into it. Um, but before I do, I do want to talk to Guy for a second because, Guy, this is official. This is it for us for the year. We're going to take the rest of the year off after this. But you had an eventful weekend where you picked up a new vehicle congratulations on that thank you very much uh quite quite the eventful weekend so i won't go too long into the story but basically i was driving jordana's car and i'm like i think there's something wrong with the transmission and then she decided to drive the car the next day anyways got about a mile or so down the road before the old car just uh went the way of old betsy um but you know what? Luckily, we're in a position where we have, you know, enough credit that we were able to just go to the car store and we got a new car and here we are. Did you old yeller it? Did you take it out back behind the barn and uh, not put officially a 22 yet, there? I, you know, the funny thing is I still don't know what's wrong with the car. That was another thing that's uh, rather upsetting. Um, for whatever reason, her her mom had called and was like, oh, you, the transmission's blown and then over the weekend, I messaged her because we dropped the car off at her uncle's who actually owns a transmission shop. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, why don't you message your uncle so we can get that out of his way? Like, I don't want to just leave that car sitting there. So she messages him is like, oh, yeah, do you need us to, like, you know, get AAA to come and take the car away? He's like, no, I haven't even looked at it yet. I'm going to look at it Monday or Tuesday. So we still have no idea what's even wrong with the car. So we literally just went out that day, bought a car, and for all I know, we needed transmission fluid or something. But we're not going to think about that. We're just going to pretend that that's not an issue, and I'm also going to pretend that I'm not paying three times more than I was paying for my car that I had before. Well, it is funny because I actually replaced the transmission on the Escape, and Mm -hmm. it was – four or five thousand dollars to do it yeah and it was one of those things where i was torn between the idea of replacing the transmission uh, a few years ago or was it even worth fixing the vehicle at that point uh, we did opt for it and the car is running fine now but i just i think it's a good anecdote that you never know what what, what happens to disney guys uncensored in our very exciting lives uh, i'm actually done working for the year i know uh, you'll probably work in the next couple of days, guy. I would think, and Tim, I know you got a couple of days before you're done for the year too. So, I, I mean, I think what's always good to make this a little bit personal and 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 have us have a good time here tonight. And I think that's what this is about. So, Tim, I know we do have some very quick news bites before we bring our friend to the north in to speak about Muppets again. Uh, <laughs> but Tim, what do we have for the uh, for the news here? Just two two stories worth reporting this week. Uh, characters return to Cinderella's royal table February 28th, 2023. This one surprised me because, honestly, I didn't know they weren't there already. And, frankly, it's insane 
that Disney is still selling this experience at the price they are without the characters, and it's still completely unavailable. Blows my mind, but uh, yeah, it's going to be even harder reservation to get once again come the end of February slash beginning of March. Uh, and then the big story this week, Avatar, I might have to eat my words, had a much slower than expected opening, uh, opening to around uh, 180 uh, Bob, was that the domestic number? Uh, no, it was, it, was, uh, it was about 138, 140 in that neighborhood. Oh, right, right. 100, yeah, I think 100, all 100, told, yeah. Around 140 domestic and uh, 380 worldwide, uh, slightly below analyst expectations. Um, so on the surface, sounds like I uh, might have been right last week, although uh, there was some analysis this morning from Wall Street basically saying that this movie uh, is expected to have a very long tail and uh, they're not going to be worried about the profitability of it until after uh, the new year if these slow numbers don't pick up. It also could be a victim of its own success. Uh, some, of, some of the articles and anecdotally people I've heard from have said that uh, tickets to see it in IMAX 3D, a format that's not super common, were not readily available, sold out, and a lot of people uh, sound like they're holding out to see it as James Cameron uh, intended. Uh, so, uh, remains to be seen if uh, Avatar 2 will be a smash hit like the first one, or kind of a fizzle as our own Guy Izzo uh, predicted. Uh, that's really all the news this week. Things are winding down. Disney's getting ready to take their holiday break. So uh, I guess we should just move right on to uh, the main topic and uh, our, our friend from the North, Mike. Yeah, I mean, you guys might remember Mike from episode 86, which, Tim, seems like a freaking lifetime ago. Uh, th that, to me, the fact that we're still doing this is incredible. Um, we actually recorded a Meet the Muppets, a top Muppets episode that we did there and then i actually did a guest spot on mike's podcast um the old frog and piggy show that we did together where we actually i think mike did cover um in your format which i think we're kind of borrowing from tonight a little bit was i think we did our top five things or so about the muppet christmas carol that we liked which yeah. was which was a lot of fun uh, it was a great great time recording that with you and i know you've kind of still followed us and still listen and we speak with you on discord all the sure. time so it's one of those mm -hmm. things that when we said we were going to do a muppet christmas carol episode on our show proper i said well we, we got to ask mike to come on jump on and, and do it with us so thanks for joining us uh, how's the letter writing campaign to get bob i gotta bring the disney store back to canada <laughs> i mean he hasn't responded yet uh i might do another series of tweets just i i gotta you know you gotta Make the point of saying, Chapex, your boy, he's doing this. Can you yep. fix it? What your boy is doing. That's right. You know, I figured I mean, that would get it under his skin enough to be like, no, it's fine. Let the Canadians have their damn stores. Yep. You know what? I think we should bring back the Disney stores from the early 90s anyway. I always enjoyed that decor, so I have no problem with that. Right? Yeah, I just so, it, what pisses me off about the Disney store, now that you've got me on that topic, um, <laughs> in, the, in the mall where we where our prominent Disney store was the closest one. There was like a nice big, like, like etched in mural of a tree. Mm -hmm. It was very magical and like fit the Disney store. Like, yeah, that's where it's supposed to be. But when it closed down, they didn't get rid of that tree. So like there was like a mind games there for a little bit. And there's still a tree. It's like magical tree, but for mind games. So like little board games and tchotchkes and whatnot. Didn't quite work. So, so the tree is taunting you still to this day. I, always. Always taunting me. Guy, I feel um, like your boys would have had a great time at Plush Mountain in the old Disney stores. I do it. I miss it. I wish I could take them there and just have them pick out stuff. And that's always, always our favorite thing when we go to Disney is, you know, they always know they're going to get, you know, a new plush, things like that. And they always pick out the most obscure ones. Like I remember Sal's. I think the first one Sal picked out, you know, literally uh, your choice of every character in the world and he picked out Sebastian from Little Mermaid. So just an odd choice, but a great choice. I mean, they're all great choices, but yeah, no, I definitely miss that. Uh, would definitely get me back in the old Warwick Mall. There's something for everyone. Um, no more Disney store, though. 
There's always something, guy, at the Warwick Mall. Unbelievable. So, Tim, this was your idea, which blows my mind, not that you had an idea about a Muppet show, but that we've never done the Muppet Christmas Carol as an episode before. Realistically, I'm surprised that we've never thought of this as worthy of an episode with all the movies we've ever done. So... I, I, what was your impetus for the why? Why now? Why here? I mean, it's it's kind of back in the zeitgeist with it being the 30th anniversary this year. And uh, yeah, honestly, I'm shocked we didn't have one. And I half expected when I said that you were going to be like, well, we, we did that on episode 32 or something. But uh, no, we, we, we somehow have not covered this. We really haven't done that much Muppet content. Really, mm-hmm. the only big dedicated piece of Muppet content we've ever done was uh was episode 86 with Mike. Yeah, it seems right, which is weird cuz we do we're big proponents of the Muppets on this show. Yeah, we think we need sure. more Muppets in our lives. So, well, let's get right into it. The first question we have and Mike, we'll start with you here tonight. This is a a shockingly straightforward adaptation of of the Dickens classic. Is that a good thing here or would you have preferred more Muppetness to the movie? No, I think this was a pretty good uh, mix of Muppetness and uh, Muppet- Muppeticity and, uh, and, and straightforward uh, adaptation. I think with something that has so much reverence as, uh, as this classic Charles Dickens story, uh, you know, it's had a lot of different adaptations um, diff- uh, live, of live action I'm sure there's been other animated versions, CGI all over these years with different levels of kind of seriousness. This is a really nice blend and and meeting of the middle with your your hilarity, with your Muppet, your Muppeticity and your serious like like we're going to talk about later. um, Michael Caine's just straight man. I think that's a great blend and it might be the best. I I mean, I've, I've seen it argued before. And I believe you've argued it as well, Bob, that this mm-hmm. is the best uh, version of Muppet of Muppet or of, of the Christmas Carol. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, again, I think we've I, I've talked about on here that we in New England have a, a local theater company that does a Christmas Carol, a live stage production every, every year here. It's like an annual traditional thing uh, at Trinity Repertory Theater Company. Uh, but for me, this is the best. So, Guy, I want to ask you because you have you have the, the little guys. And is this something that they will sit down and, and take a look at here with, with the Muppets? Or I know you watched it this weekend or, or even tonight before we recorded. Yeah, so I literally watched it tonight, um, and my littlest one, who is 16 months, sat and watched the whole thing with me. Uh, He was really into it. Um, I think with all the different sorts of adaptations of this great story, I mean, you're allowed to take a certain amount of liberties with it. But I think it's just such a classic, too. you got to kind of stay, you know, to the story. Again, not necessarily beat for beat, but you definitely want to stick to it. Um, that's honestly what makes it work. You don't want to go too far off into one direction. I mean, you're not going to make a better version of this story than the one that already exists. That's fair. Tim, any thoughts to the contrary that they should have done more Muppetness here? No, I, I'm going to agree with, with Mike and Guy on this. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> the, the puppeteering uh, and, and the acting uh, from Michael Caine especially and, and the puppeteering of the, the, the Muppets who are playing more of the straight man characters uh, is, is really beautiful and really special and really touching and charming. But then uh, having uh, Gonzo as Dickens as kind of a uh, omniscient narrator. I mean, he literally calls himself an omniscient narrator and then allowing Rizzo to be like the Greek chorus for the audience and provide a, a majority of the gags and comic relief and especially the visual gags. And then those light elements of, of kind of classic Muppet gags from the other Muppets as, as, as kind of like minor, you know, sprinkled into all the scenes really is perfect and it gives this movie you know uh, a lot of charm and, and a good balance I, I don't know if a zany Muppet show version of um the story w- would would have the staying power that that this this film has had um if it was uh you know more zany 
Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. I think what you run into is if you if you play it much closer to like a Muppet Treasure Island, I think you kind of lose the levity of the story on this Even one. Even a Muppet Treasure Island has like it definitely has more Muppetness to it, more Muppeticity. Mm-hmm. But I think it mm-hmm. still has like the like you got the core yeah, of that's definitely fair of yeah. this of this serious story this you know time is tale as old as time story to borrow from another disney franchise but you sprinkle in some jokes and you just mm-hmm. put them in the right place and you make you know this part a little bit more family friendly than it would have been in the original um it's kind of like a good lego game hey that's everyone likes good perfect. lego game lego games are at their best when they like you just know the story but then you pepper in some like family-friendly jokes, a Lego-related joke, and you don't mess with the story too much. Same for I Muppet. feel it's the same with Muppet yep. movies. I think uh, so, the one on the other end – sorry, I know we're kind of trailing off. But mm-hmm. uh, I think one on the other end of the spectrum where it got too silly would have been uh, Wizard of Oz. That was junk. Yeah. But how much of that is attributed to the fact that you had Tim Curry and Michael Caine in – Treasure Island and in Christmas Carol, where you had Ashanti as the main star of was us. Not taking away from Ashanti's talent, she's she's very talented, but it's not the same gravitas the role that Tim Curry or Michael Caine bring to a presentation. I think it's more the I think it's more the director than the 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 token human character because the token the Ashanti, you know, she did what she had. She, mm-hmm. she worked with what she had, but it's the tone of the director going. You know, you have Oz, but then we'll turn it to 11 to make it Muppet Oz versus not we good. have, you know, London, uh, Charles Dickens, London. And we turn it to maybe seven with our Muppeticity in terms of zaniness. So yeah, no, that's, it, it, I think it's points. the tone and how far you turn that dial of but Muppets. So it's interesting you say that because one of the most human elements of this film is Michael Caine. We'll talk about Michael Caine in a few minutes. And one of the most important scenes in this guy's opinion is in the past, after Ghost One shows up and takes him to when he was a schoolboy, that takes place on a bridge where what I think the start of Scrooge's Redemption Act happens in the when love is gone scene when bell is singing to scrooge and young scrooge doesn't really care and michael kane is standing off to the side un- with gonzo and rizzo and the 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 ghost of christmas past and you can see michael kane responding to the song in a way as old scrooge that young scrooge didn't do and probably didn't know to do they cut this from the original film and if you had the VHS copy, it was there. And if you had the soundtrack, it was there. Every other release of this film has had this taken out of the movie because apparently the powers that be thought it slowed the film down and that it didn't necessarily correlate too much to the story, that it it slowed the film down too much that the kids in the audience wouldn't have cared about it. I don't disagree with that sentiment, but to me, it literally is the heart and soul and the beginning of Scrooge's redemption to for him to see that scene take place again. And now you just get a very sloppy cut for the 30th anniversary. It is on Disney Plus, and it is in the extras feature, and it's the uncut with the added song, and you can see it there. And I will tell you, if you watch the two versions of the movie, there is a discernible difference between the emotion of each film from that point forward. And I, I, Tim, your question is valid. Is it a big deal that it's back in there or is it just a small addition to draw up interest for the anniversary of the film? To me, obviously I think it is a huge deal that it is back in there, that it is the emotional center of Scrooge's redemption story. Michael, we'll start with you again as the guest of honor here. Am I overstating the importance of that song? Um, I don't think you are. I think it really depends on who you talk to. Um, obviously, we are all huge Muppet people. We're huge Disney people. We, uh, you guys make it your, uh, your, your pastime to talk about this stuff. And you, are, you, you guys go to the parks sometimes multiple times a year. Sometimes uh, you make it your yearly mission uh, pilgrimage to, to the land of the mouse. Um, 
so I think as hardcores, we would say, oh, man, this changes everything. This this makes everything more make more sense. It's like it's like they took out, I don't know, the 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 cave scene in Iron Man one, which is like it. If you took out the whole cave scene and he learns his redemption, he starts that redemption. Like what's going on in this movie? Who knows? Um, but I think if you talk like my wife is not a big Muppets fan. Mm-hmm. Not like she was not a fan of watching this movie with me. Uh, uh, also, my three year old, he has the attention span of a gnat and he did not. He started it with me like maybe two minutes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he went off and did something else. Yeah, uh, I'll be he, honest. My wife thought I was yet. crazy when I was going on a tirade about how important this song was to the movie. She's like, no, it's it's fine, but I don't want to hear about it. Go talk to Tim and Guy. Exactly. About it, exactly. So said. like the casual <laughs> for the casuals who like don't follow the news sites or aren't super hardcores who like, you know, will take time out of their Disney trip to go to Muppet 3D. Uh, I don't think it really matters. Like. Who cares? It's even in the extras. I'm not going to see it if I play it immediately and don't think to go to the extras. Like I had to pause it a couple times because life and family. And I noticed that it doesn't show up in your continue continue watching bar. You have to go back into the into the movie, like search for the movie again, go into the extras and then it's and it saves your place there. So it's it's like so hidden that I think the casual viewer who like wants to find a Christmas movie isn't really going to care. Um, That's heartbreaking. Let's uh, let's oh. get Tim because Tim, you you kind of I don't know where you stand on this song and where and, and maybe I am overstating the importance of it. But w- am I over the top with my defense of the song? No, I, I do think that a couple of things. One, we have to remember when this movie was made. It was made mm-hmm. at the the what we could call the height of the Katzenberg era. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a film that was already kind of heading over budget. There was conflicting ideas about, um, you know, who the audience was for and, and what the goal of this movie was. It was also the first Muppet movie since 1989. Um, and, and Katzenberg sent his axe man to oversee the production for the second half. So it's kind of obvious why this cut happened. But I think what Mike said and what you said uh, is kind of pointing to the same thing. This is a scene that is really only there for a more mature viewer. Mm-hmm. And Katzenberg definitely saw this as a kid's movie or a, a, at best a, a movie the family could go see at Christmas. So this song and scene that, that add an immense emotional weight that a child is unlikely to understand because it's uh, the sort of emotions that they haven't had and haven't been exposed to in their life yet, uh, it, it probably was skippable to just keep it moving and, and, and keep the it's the least Muppet scene in the whole thing. Uh, that said, um, I think it's a big deal that's available. I almost like that it's hidden because in researching for this episode, every article that uh, talked seriously about this movie in a critical sense uh, brought up the fact that kind of part of the allure of this movie up until this year was the fact that there was a lost scene. And not only was it a lost scene, it was a lost scene that added a bunch of emotional weight to the film. Uh, and if it was just that was the cut that was on Disney Plus, that mystique is kind of gone now. That's fair. Guy, what about you? Did you did you watch the the extras version with this song? No, so I didn't. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, very familiar with the song. Um, as far as should it have been cut or not, again, just to kind of go over everyone's point again. I definitely agree with why it was cut out of the film. Um, it's just not something I would have done. I think the whole reason you have Michael Caine there is to help push that story along with a great actor. And I think having that missing, you do feel like something's missing from that story. Like that's not really all cleaned up there. It kind of feels like they kind of, ru- not that they rushed through the first ghost, but like that's, no really the meat of the story and they really caught the heart out of the whole part that whole story part of it well, they absolutely do they go through the progression of him as a young businessman and constantly telling bell next year next year business continues to be poor she's going to the bridge i love you bell 
you did once, and then it cuts to Gonzo and Rizzo, hysterical on the bench. It is one of the worst physical cuts of a film I've ever seen removing something. And it, and again, it just... It, and then you go into what turns into, to that point, the most pivotal scene for him when he's, when he's standing, after he goes through the Ghost of Christmas Present, when he is standing there at Cratchit's house... That's not my story to tell. It's you go forth with the ghost of Christmas future, but I see an empty crutch there. There are specific points in each part of this story that Scrooge has to remember. It is when Belle broke up with him, and that isn't portrayed correctly. And then it is when he finds out that Tiny Tim doesn't survive, which, spoiler alert, he does at the end. And then when he sees his own gravestone, those are the three lessons he has to learn, and they took a third of it away by cutting that song. I don't agree with it to this day. I still think it's a massive cut. But moving on, should there have been more characters as Muppets, or is it a good mix? So, Mike, this has always been a contention for me, and I think we touched on it with the first question, too. I think Gonzo and Rizzo, like Tim said fantastically cast Fozzie as Fozzie as Fozzie wig or Fezzy wig. If you want to get great, great use of it. Uncle Fred is such a minor cousin, Fred or nephew, Fred, sorry, is such a nephew. Fred is such a, a minor character to the story that they're telling in this sense that him being a human makes sense. Uh, his wife, Clara makes sense. I think there's a perfect mixture of Muppet and human, for how this story is told. What, what do you think there? Yeah, I, as you ask this, I'm trying to think of like who else would make sense as a Muppet. Like there's only really Fred, the people at his party, and like the kids at his at um at Scrooge's school. Yeah, I think that's yeah. and and Belle. Like it yeah. would I think I think that emotional weight that is being um brought in by the love is gone uh would definitely be lost. Um, if Belle was a Muppet, uh, That's I don't, I, for the sake of filming and doing it in a proper quote unquote, uh, more non Muppet way, it made more sense to have human children in the school, uh, and not to, you know, go the extra mile and have to have the fake, you know, fake floor for Muppet kids. Um, I, yeah, I think it was a great balance. Like it, so you sort of have a, a, I'm trying to think if there's a mix of humans and Muppets in the Just in the dance party, I think. Just the dance party. And there, there's, I think there's a couple humans walking around in the, um, in the Scrooge during song. Scrooge, during the music number Scrooge. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, I think there's a, a couple humans. Not like, mm-hmm. it's not like a 50-50 split. But I think no, it's it a really isn't. nice, I think it's a really nice balance. Like, yeah. you don't really think about it too much. Um, and I, no, I, I think that's think, good. And I don't think you do when you watch it. And guy, this no. is probably a good a good kind of lead in for you. Did you notice it? Because it's a fair point where I think the mix is great, but this is what we do. We're, we 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 have a Disney podcast and we analyze things that probably people don't look at when they're watching the film. You having just watched it, do you think it was a good balance of human face characters versus the Muppet characters? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's weird. So if going into the movie, like if I had never seen the movie before, I would say, oh, you know, you got to have Jacob Marley as a human and not mm-hmm. as a Muppet. And then, yeah. you know, Marley and Marley is literally my favorite, one of my favorite things about the movie. So it's just like, it's one thing that they really got perfect with it. It is a good balance. I think it should, be, I think it's a little heavy Muppets. And I think that's the way it should be. That's, you know, yeah. it's a Muppets movie after all. Yeah, I think, you know, Marley and Marley is a good segue for young Timothy because I don't I don't really want to overdo some of these questions. But, Tim, you opined in the notes that you thought musically this is an excellent film, which I think all of us on this podcast agree with. Um, Is this the peak of the Muppet franchise musically for you? Uh, Yes, I think so. I mean, there's some individual numbers on the Muppet show. And, yeah. and maybe in the Muppet movie, uh, but overall, looking at something as a, a end-to-end production, the way music was used, especially with uh, "The Love Is Gone" um, mm-hmm. back in the film, uh, this is, I think, the only Muppet production that really gets to get Muppets to have real emotional weight. 
Uh, and the music is just executed uh, just insanely well. So yeah, in my opinion, yeah, it's 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 the best use of musical performance in a Muppets uh, production end to end. Michael, I, I got to think you feel the same way about this. Yeah, it, I agree. Um, yeah, as a uh, definitely uh, as a as musician and a lover of music, this definitely has a, a uh, I would say some of the best songs. It's definitely a great musical. And like Tim said, you could probably pick out a couple, um, you know, Electric Mayhem songs from the sh- from the original show, um, the odd, maybe a, a number from Muppets Tonight that no one remembers, um, but it's a uncut gem. Um, but yeah, th- this has this. I would agree that this is kind of peak Muppet music. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how we can't. I mean, I, I've had the soundtrack on cassette and CD. I have it on vinyl. I also have it on digital. Like I, I've got it four or five different ways. It's just it it is essentially timeless. It is an evergreen soundtrack that really does just play. Now, Mike, here's what we were doing the notes today that I think Tim wrote, and I guess specifically for you, because I don't know that guy has an answer for this question. Uh, this film is considered like the Christmas classic, the Christmas film in UK pop culture. Does it have a large cultural significance or a large cultural impact in Canada, kind of in that same way or or, or not really? Um, I would say not. Um, I mean, being a Muppet fan, it definitely has its right. hooks in me, but I don't think, uh, generally, maybe it's the setting, maybe it's the, right. I, I don't Source know, material I don't think there's is, a huge, yeah, right. material that is, uh, Charles Dickens, I don't think it really has a huge tale here. Um, there, like, there might have been, for all I know, a, uh, you know, the odd, uh, Kermit plush, mm-hmm in the late 90s or early 2000s because of this movie or an anniversary. Uh, But I would say um, more, I would say more people would uh, know Elf than like go go to Elf here, which is is totally wrong in my opinion. It's that I I might get heat for this, but I I hate that movie. I hate Elf too. That's so amazing. I, I don't understand oh, it. I, I, you I, have, know, I, I don't even. Too. I don't like Will Ferrell. Like it's whatever. But I, I think the movie's fine. I, I'm a sucker for a Christmas. I, movie, it is so most annoying movie. I do my enjoy Scrooge. Loves it. I, my wife also loves it. Luckily, my wife love love loves this movie. It's mutually our favorite Christmas movie. But she loves Elf, and oh. I cannot stand that movie. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, I I would say most people that I know uh, here in the Great White North, as we're as we're uh, riding our our polar bears to work, uh, we uh, we would people would talk about Elf more more likely than uh, than this movie. And generally, like um, in I would say maybe Santa Claus, like the Santa Claus, yeah, um, would probably be at the top of people's list. But as a more modern movie, I would say Elf. Does Letter Kenny have any Christmas episodes or Boxing Day uh, episodes? Or I I mean a lot of I, I've watched a couple. I'm not up on uh all the way up on my letter kenny i'm start mm-hmm. i've started watching it because i've been told it's really great and it is um there's been a couple episodes of like them in the snow and making like a snow hut yeah. and uh so it's been like there's been snowy situations yeah but uh well, i would not say that there are uh christmas episodes yet okay. a wildly Absolutely. entertaining sidebar if you if you're into very um offbeat humor i will tell you that Letter County does a fantastic job with it. Speaking of fantastic jobs, I almost right, we're wore give... a turtleneck because you lose uh, heat in the neck. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, guy, we're gonna we're gonna give Mike a break since he had to, you know, tell us about Canadian culture and how. No, unfortunately, the Muppets is not a huge hit up there right now. Michael Caine is the straight man guy. Now, hear me out on this: acting brilliance, casting brilliance. Or both? Uh, definitely both. You need um, you need obviously a, a strong British actor for this role, or it's not going to work out quite as good. Uh, and Michael Caine was the right man for the job. Um, honestly, if you look at this part of his career, I mean, he wasn't turning out hit after hit. I mean, this is right. shortly after, uh, I think, Jaws 3D. It was probably four or five years after that. So, I mean, yep. he wasn't exactly at the pinnacle of his uh, acting prowess, per se. But 
But honestly, this kind of relaunched him into the zeitgeist. Like, if you look at even his IMDb, you'll notice, like, the hits start coming, honestly, on the heels of this movie. Um, And his performance is obviously universally beloved. Um, And acting with puppets is not easy. It's one thing to do a five-minute cameo on Sesame Street. It's another thing to carry a 90-minute movie. Um, And that's definitely not something that just any actor could do. Um, and he really committed to it. And, you know, the film, fe- the, excuse me, the film speaks for itself. Easy for me to say. You know, it's funny. Tim acts with puppets uh, for at least 90 minutes every Monday or Tuesday night with me and you. So, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. Tim, this, waka, this waka. is a, a stroke <laughs> of brilliance from Michael Caine. Like, a great, great job with the role and just no complaints from me from Michael Caine. Yeah, no, I mean, and and certainly acting brilliance. I think that's a given. Uh, it doesn't even really need to be in the question. Definitely casting brilliance. Um, I don't know if everybody knows. I'm sure Mike knows. The first choice for this role was actually Tim Curry. Was originally where they were going in development for this. Uh, and late, right, uh, late in casting, um, they talked to uh, Junior and figured things out. And they said, "Hey, we really need a less comedic actor." And uh, as Guy pointed out, Michael Caine was available and probably cheaper than Tim Curry at this point in his career. Uh, and, uh, you know, they 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 got him to deliver a, a promote a performance with a ton of emotional weight with uh, puppets and uh, really made the movie. And, and, and Tim Curry would get his turn in the next one and in another classic Muppet film in Treasure Island. So so nothing was lost. And apparently Michael Caine had wanted to uh, work with uh, Muppets for many years, and there were scheduling conflicts and stuff that uh, prevented him from doing the Muppet Show or any of the earlier Muppet stuff uh, in the earlier part of his career. So he 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 got his turn and and, and for the best in in this role, which is an all time classic role. So Tim, I realize that I didn't give you an opportunity to answer the question of are there too many Muppets in this movie, or is the balance correct? And you brought to mind. A scene from this movie, from the Ghost of Christmas Present, when they're singing It Feels Like Christmas in the Square. Do you want to explain your concerns about that scene? Look, so I think there is ever so slightly too many Muppets in this movie, specifically because of that <laughs> scene. And and after you and I talked this out, I realized why the choice was made, but it still bugs the crap out of me. So in Scrooge's school, they are human children. But in that scene in the town square, there is a class of school children going through the town and they're Muppets. And not only are they Muppets, they're human Muppets. And uh, it's just weird because there was human school children earlier in a scene and now they're Muppet school children and there's the time jump. So now are we to believe that all the children are, are Muppets now? There's no longer straight up human children in this town. But the. The reason why this was done was because there's a visual gag where Michael Caine actually punches a kid. And in a children's movie, you can't really have Michael Caine punch a real child, even if it's an accident. And that's obviously why the class was uh, was puppets and and not humans. But it kind of bugs me that weird shift that happened uh, in between scenes with the school kids. They're borderline Caillou looking puppets. Yeah, they're weird-looking Muppet kids. <laughs> I would argue that you could headcanon that uh, in the, what, six, 50 years, 40 years that it, this is supposed to have taken from the uh, time of the of the Ghost of Christmas Past to the present, uh, you could say that there has been a Muppet, a, a surge of Muppet uh, immigration in the UK. So therefore, the children in the present would be Muppet children versus a majority of human children uh so what we really need is like an oliver twist muppets set in the same universe as muppet christmas carol is what we need so the 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 dickensian literature muppet extended universe uh unfortunately uh write itself the the ceo who is pro muppet was just ousted from the company uh although uh he did nothing Muppet related during his tenure there. So I, I, I think that say, that promise was overblown. It, it was, was widely Chapek reported that Chapek was a Muppets guy um, when, when he took over, when everybody was doomsaying how bad a job he was going to do. Spoiler, he did a bad job. 
Uh, but people are like, well, he might do a bad job with everybody else, but he's a big Muppet guy, so he might get a lot of Muppet stuff Well, he's the CEO. And then we didn't. I mean, we we got only Muppets got bad now. stuff. So, uh, yeah. Well, we'll have to see how uh, Electric Mayhem, that thing. Oh, up. yes. We do have the Electric Mayhem show coming soon. Will Lips be in that? I don't think so. Doesn't seem right. It One doesn't. of the most underappreciated Muppets in, the, in canon. I, I, I agree. He's the only part-timer. We certainly covered lips in our discussion of Electric Mayhem in episode yeah, 86. So if you're looking for more Muppet content, guys, go back and listen to 86. It's really a great show. If you want more lips re- representation, <laughs> go to that episode. Doesn't sound right. So, Mike, here's okay. a very straightforward. <laughs> is this Rizzo the Rat's best role in the Muppet universe? 100%. That, this or, um, no, Treasure Hunt, was he? Could have been trash. Yeah, he's in both. And listen, yeah. he's terrible yeah, I, in Wizard of Oz, but everything about Wizard of Oz is oh, terrible. Yeah. So I was actually I I wanted to bring this up, and I find it very interesting how Rizzo there like at a, at a certain point I can't really um, think of what the exact point is, but there is a clear delineation like a, a Rizzo era and a Pepe era of being yeah. Gonzo's best friend, and I wish we would bring Rizzo back the best friend like i just watched uh like earlier this year i finally watched uh muppets haunted mansion mm-hmm. and i was like why is it rizzo in this like why pepe what and i i feel like in retrospect i think uh rizzo wouldn't have fallen for the bride as easily as pepe would have spoilers um for a year old special um but i just you know i want rizzo back in specials and in muppet things i feel like he's been kind of erased from history so it is interesting because on the new Muppet Babies on Disney Plus, Rizzo is a key yeah. point for for Gonzo's character in the Muppet Babies show. Mm. So it that show is fantastic, and that's a good representation of um, Baby Sweetums, which I never thought I needed in my life until he showed up in one of the episodes. And and Baby Statler and Waldorf that are still eighty years old somehow. So it's the Muppet <laughs> Babies is fantastic. I watched a little <clears throat> bit of that with my kid, and he he kind of trailed off on that. But there was a great yeah. episode where they went into um, they went to Statler and Waldorf's like backyard to get a ball yeah. or something, and like all of the statues in their in their yard were just great, you know, um, calls to to like deep cuts to yeah. different monster muppets and stuff like that. It was great for sure. So, guy, is this Rizzo's best role? Absolutely. I mean, I know you could say this about it feels like every character in the movie. I just don't feel like this movie works without Rizzo. Um, the comedic gags that go forward just to kind of keep the story moving along and keeping the younger audience entertained. Mm-hmm. I know all of his gags, again, you know, a 15 month year old baby is only taken in so much uh but he loved every time rizzo was on the screen he got a big reaction from my little guy um so and just honestly for me too like just the jokes really hit everything really hits i don't know if it was just you know i was in the right mood the right headspace but i i enjoy the hell out of some rizzo um it really works for me yeah no uh this is for me also definitely rizzo's best role <laughs> Him as the audience surrogate slash Greek chorus is just uh, d- brilliant. And uh, really, he gets to carry a vast majority of the comedic element of this film and, and, and does it excellently. It is remarkable when you see Gonzo and Rizzo, because we talk about how great Michael Caine is in this film. Gonzo and Rizzo are equally as important to how successful this film is and how successful they tell this story in this film. I think it's one of those things that constantly gets overlooked because it's a, it's a blue alien puppet and a rat. Their, their Laurel and Hardy Abbott and Costello routine hits. And it's just great to see Gonzo as the straight man of that, because I, I think Gonzo does get typecast as a puppet, as the, kind of the weirdo. Be. But at the end of the day, it it is fun to see him kind of play a little bit more of a straight man to Rizzo's maybe more physical comedian. Which brings me to my next point, next question. Is there a favorite part song joke for you, Michael, watching this film back 30 years later? Uh, Going through, I didn't, unfortunately didn't get to finish the movie when Mm -hmm. I was watching it today. Um, But uh, the Sam the Eagle bit as the school teacher 
definitely mm-hmm. um, definitely brings it uh, like that's kind of the top there. Mm-hmm. Um, the the rats that were Scrooge's employees when they were talking about how cold it was and yep. he yelled, "What if you're unemployed?" and they just immediately get into like luau gear and like, "Yeah, yep. we're fine." No, no, it, this, we're in a heat wave. That one was really great. Um, and um, Rizzo with the jelly beans going in for the class uh, before the you know he jumped over the fence. Oh, I forgot my jelly beans, so he went under. It was yep. classic. It, I think. Uh, if you had a, a top three, it would be those in that order, I think. Yeah. Guy, what about you? Yeah, so just to piggyback on what Mike uh, said, uh, from the time I was a little kid, the first time I saw this movie, the the rats gag always got me. How they just how they just flip on Kermit like nothing, um, you know, to Hold protect the self image. You know what I mean? I've yeah. uh, I always I've always been drawn to that, and it you know made me laugh just as hard today. So definitely appreciate that. I am sure sh- I'm shocked that my favorite two jokes in this film, neither of you guys mentioned uh, the, the lamp lighting joke. Uh, 100% Tim. All Thank time. You. One of my favorite 100%. Muppet gags. And he pushes them down the, pushes them off the ledge into the, the frozen barrel of water. Yep. Brilliant. And then uh, the other one, it tied with uh, my mother said, never eat talking fruit uh, <laughs> at, at the feast. It's, it's fantastic. This movie has so many layers I think if I'm picking an obscure reference, it's that in the redemption scene when they're bringing the the goose or the turkey to they bring the big the prize winning turkey to the Cratchit house after he's redeemed, uh, they go by uh, a Statler and Waldorf's uh, store, which I think was a nice little subtle like wink and nod to the the Muppet Show and to Statler and Waldorf themselves. I think then there's a lot of that in this film, a lot of the the, the quick gags of when you're walking by that Statler and Waldorf. Um, but for me, my favorite part still to this day, and one of my all-time favorite Muppet designs and and character is the Ghost of Christmas Present. That that Muppet, does, he deserves more FaceTime than anyone. I, how they haven't brought like a meet and greet with some of these characters in their garb to Hollywood Studios for Christmas time only blows my mind that they don't have something with these characters because it's just, it's such a timeless film, which again causes a fantastic run in for us guys. A next uh, segue, if you will, guy, well, guy, we'll start with you here to give you a, a fresh perspective on this. So you're not always saying, well, I agree with Mike, but so we'll go with you first here. Where do you rank this among the Muppet? pantheon of movies and it can be great muppet caper and the the original muppet movie the new ones you know wherever you think you should where this should fall in your muppet movie rankings um so i have this number two beyond uh behind the original muppet movie um and that's really more personal choice than anything i think this is probably the best muppet movie overall um i just had that vhs of that original muppet movie Mm -hmm. and i watched it over and over and over and over again as a kid. So that has a you know a special place in my heart. So I'd probably mm-hmm. rank it. Um, if I was going to sit down and watch any Muppet movie, it would probably be the original one. Um, and plus it has more playability around. But um, this is definitely a great film for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim, what about you here? Because this is one of those that I know you are a Muppet fan. We've talked about our, our love of Muppets and... Is the great it is like I saying that that Muppet movie is it is it number one is the is the Muppet Christmas Carol number two for you? Uh, I honestly not to not to give away the the last question, but uh, this is such an important movie for me and my family that I think just overall this is the piece of Muppet media that I consume the most, other than maybe Muppet Vision 3D because I go to the park so much. Uh, and never miss it. Um, I think this is probably number one or tied with for number one with the the original Muppet movie. And I think it's one of those things too. Like if we were having a conversation um, and you were just like, you know, this is you know the Muppets Christmas is the best Muppets movie. I would not disagree with you whatsoever in the conversation. So this cuts me deep because having the two young kids that I have, they love the new one with Jason Siegel, the first one, not the second one with Ricky Gervais, which was fine it was whatever the first one is excellent telling 
kind of uh, a, a redemption story for the Muppets themselves that they kind of fell out of favor. And it, it kind of mirrored real life where you hadn't heard from the Muppets in a while and they were broke down and the, and the Muppet studio was broke down. And it just, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, for me, um, I, I, guy, I, I think I go with you. I think that original Muppet movie though is just so on point and tells such a cool story. But I, like you said, I'd be hard pressed to argue with anybody that puts Muppet Christmas Carol as their favorite Muppet movie of all time. Uh, and I think we all feel that way as well. Uh, I regrettably inform you all we did lose Mike uh, to the Great White North. So we're going to press on. Uh, because, Tim, there's another question we had here, which I think you alluded to, was where does this rank for you and your family on the Christmas mainstays? Uh, I know for me, for me personally and, and Megan, it's tops on the list with like the Santa Claus and for my boys with Jingle All the Way. So for you and Rachel and, and your family, does this does this rank right there at the top of the list for Christmas movies? Yeah, I mean, for, for Rachel and I together, this is definitely the number one um, for us together. Uh, it, it's definitely my number one Christmas movie. I'm not a big Christmas movie guy, but this one, uh, for some reason, it's not just I, I don't just tolerate it. Like, I genuinely enjoy it. Uh, the runtime is good. The pacing is excellent. And, and the performances are second to none. So, yeah, this, this is easy. Number one uh, Christmas movie for me and number one Christmas movie for Rachel and I together, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Guy, what about you and Jordana and the and the boys? Is this something that you guys watch regularly? I know you watch it today for today, but is this something you guys watch and is always in rotation for you guys? So there's five Christmas movies, I think, overall that uh, we watch every year, uh, you know, without question. Uh, one is This Muppet's Christmas Carol, um, and then you have The Santa Claus, you have the two Home Alone movies, and then Christmas Vacation. Those are really the five Christmas movies I would say we watch every single year without fail. Um, the only reason that I held off on this one for so long was because I knew we were going to do this show. Um, and then I thought I wasn't doing this show. Uh, so then I was like, oh, I'll just save it for like I was going to save it for Christmas Day, honestly. But then, you know, I wanted to be able to pop in and speak knowledgeably. Yeah. Guy, excellent points. It's glad to see that Muppet Christmas Carol has found its way into your heart. Uh, that's fantastic. There are a great many back payments included in that donation, I'm sure, Guy, to the Muppet uh, to the Muppet machine, as it were. We did grab Michael again back from Canada. He is back. Uh, some technical difficulties, but he's back. So, Mike, uh, while you were out getting your techni technology fixed up, we did run through a couple questions. Uh, where does Muppet Christmas Carol rank among Muppet movies for you? And then where does this rank for you and your family uh, around the holiday season in terms of Christmas movies that you guys routinely watch? Those two questions. Take us home there. Uh, well, in terms of Muppet movies, who I think for my family, like, uh, uh, again, my wife is not a Muppet fan, so she would have no uh, standing in this ranking. Um, but uh, with my mom and my sister, for sure, I would say that Muppet family christmas uh ranks a little higher uh just in terms of like quotes we still use today i think i talked about this on episode 86 or 87 whichever one i was on go back and watch that for uh for my my, my opinion on this but um uh, we still say especially around the around the holidays uh to watch watch out for the icy patch uh i frequently talk as uh, it like greet my mother with mom son ah uh frequently even even like i said it i was visiting her last week and i said it and she's like oh yeah it's that time isn't it um so that i think oh and we uh the dog is not the turkey the turkey's the turkey you turkey that's a frequent one uh yeah just i think in terms of quotes muppet family christmas would be uh higher up and then this one for me yeah this one or, or treasure uh treasure island probably uh, would be the next highest, maybe a tie for second. And so what about you are not a, so you're not like an original Muppet or the Muppet caper or anything like that. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm, you're right. I apologize. Uh, let's see. Great Muppet cape. Oh, baseball diamond. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The dad from Beethoven being in a Muppet movie. Sure. I'm down for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Beethoven. Um, yeah, we should do okay, a show yes. on Beethoven, Tim. You're right. Uh, Muppet Caper 
now that I think about it, Muppet Caper would probably be uh, ahead of of uh, Muppet um, Christmas Carol and uh, Treasure Island combined as the as a solid third tie. All right then, and then again, like like we were asking, so that was kind of a Christmas movie and your kind of Muppet movie all in one then. Yeah, sort of, and I would probably put. Hmm. I would maybe put the Santa Claus movies in descending order as like a, maybe a three, four, and then maybe a seventh for three, like Escape Clause. Um, I would. Uh, <laughs> it's very uh, fun to say that. My son was, uh, he, he's turning six uh, in a couple of days, and he was talking about the Santa Claus movies. Likes the first one, likes the second one. Um, not a fan of the third one. Uh, specifically because he doesn't like Jack Frost. I don't know if this is a Martin Short problem or a Jack Frost problem. I'll have to check with him in a, in tomorrow morning when he wakes up. And check I, with, I know, um, have him watch Rise of the Guardians and see if it's a Jack Frost he problem. adores that movie, loves that movie. Okay, so right, well, it's Martin a Martin Short, Short problem. It sounds like we solved it. Sounds uh, like a Martin Short problem. Have him watch the ABC I, Beauty I, and the Beast uh, celebration of songs and see a lot uh, of Martin yeah. Short there. I think your son just <laughs> doesn't like Canadians. <laughs> hey, Martin Short's great. He he's terrible in that movie. He's awful. It's not great. What in, in Santa Claus Three? Yeah, I mean acting's a choice, but he made all the wrong ones. He invented <laughs> chill, guy. Okay, he yeah. invented, invented chill. chill. Uh, oh. Has anybody watched the Santa Clauses? You know, I did, and I, I I had a hard time getting into it. And I'm like a big Tim Allen mark, um, so I thought I was gonna like love like classic like. Give me, you know, 1995 Tim Allen vibes. Um, and I had a hard time getting into it. I mean, it's okay. It's it's fun. There's a lot of good stuff. The kids were good. But I tell you, I've watched the last episode. I've tried to watch it three times. And I still don't really know what the hell's going on in it. Um, so yeah. I, I got picked up for another season. So good for them. Let them all get paid. I'm happy for everybody, but yeah. Well, I liked it. It's good to know. I'll pass that along to my guys in the production company that you're happy for them getting paid, guy. Yeah, of course. I mean, pay them, you know what I mean? Good for them. Good for Elizabeth Mitchell and the rest of the rest of the cast and crew. <sighs> and, and Tim Allen's real life daughter. Yeah. Hey, yep, yep. Nothing beats it, really. Uh, this um, was a so, little yeah, bit of I, everything tonight, Michael. It was. So, yeah. I mean, <sighs> It's great to have you back on the show. Bonus question. If there's one Muppet that wasn't in Muppet Chris Carroll that you would have put in it, who would it have been? Uh, who? I think Chef was in there, right? Did I just miss yeah. Chef? Yeah. The talking, my mother said every talking food gag, that's Chef. Yep. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, sorry, again, I kind of skipped through a, a couple mm-hmm. things just to get to Love is Gone yeah. and you know try to get as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, good. Uh, I, I, I would expect chef to be in there. He's my boy. Um, I don't think, I think they got all the mainstays. Like you're even like some, some, you know, some big, uh, some old, uh, deep cuts they got. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine another one. Like, like you know, your, your Lou Zealand, they got in there. They, they got, did get uh, New Zealand. Yep. Boomerang with, fish. With boat. Was Beauregard in there? I, I think maybe that's the only one I could think of that I would want. Um, I don't know that Beauregard has any. He doesn't have any speaking lines, but I, I don't know if yeah, he's randomly okay. in the background. Um, if, I think if, Crazy if Harry not, even has an appearance. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, again, I'll, I'll have to rewatch it again. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, but uh, I'll, if Beauregard's not in there, I'll say Beauregard. Tim, is there one for you? I, I Mike hit it on the head. This this movie did an excellent job of getting all the all the big ones in there, and and they got my guy Lou Zealand in there. Who again? Late 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 stage casting choice. Lou Zealand, I believe, was originally pitched as the uh, Dickens uh, before, and having Gonzo oh, as one of the characters wouldn't have in worked. the uh, that would not have worked. I, guy, what about a, you? A good choice in in yeah. Honestly, I don't. I can't really think of anybody that they missed. I think they did a really good job um, getting, like we we've all kind of said here, the mainstays in. Um, no one I could really think of and be like, oh man, the movie would have been so much better with them. You guys are such jerks. Where <laughs> is Sweetums in this movie? Why is Sweetums not in this movie? 
Even just the background. It's a good point. There, there definitely should have been a scene where Sweetums went through the town square saying something in his Sweetums voice running. And again. Possibly like ringing a big bell yeah, or something. I could be wrong. Maybe he's randomly in It Feels Like Christmas and I just miss him. But I don't think I've ever seen Sweetums in Muppet Christmas Carol and I'm very upset about it. He could have been. Put him in the uh, the schoolhouse scene. He's just one of uh, Scrooge's school. He's the janitor at the school. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know what? Now, I'm gonna, now again, damn it, I'm going to have to watch this movie again before Christmas just to see if I miss them. Oh, no. Poor you. Oh, poor me. Poor I'll, me. I'll put it in the thread. I'll put it in my thread to Bob Iger. Uh, no. Along with Canadian uh, Disney stores, I will tell him, hey, you like CGI Sweetums in uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, please? That's all we're looking my for. My friend. Your but your your guy Chapek yeah. said he was pre po, uh, pro Muppet, and yet I, I I mean basically a Star Wars special edition style, you know. We just yeah. we it's it's like the job of the hut scene. We just we we yeah. CGI Sweetums in janitor at the school. We give him a a, a, a whole scene with a uh, like a deep fake Michael Caine, so it's it's era accurate, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think everybody would love it. There'd be no controversy about it, and, and no one would complain. Um, we should just do that to all movies. Release That's our show cut. for this week, everybody. That's actually our show for the end of the year. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you in 2023. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything, even a deep fake Michael Caine showing up with the CGI Sweetums in a super special edition of the Muppet Christmas Carol, you can reach out to us at thedisneyguysuncensored at gmail.com. That is Michael Mancher. Thank you for coming on and joining us. That is Guy. That is Tim. I am Bub. However you celebrate these holidays, celebrate them safely and we'll see you guys in the new year. Thank you, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you.